I want to encourage you to look in your bulletin. Um, there's a place there where we've got verses of what we're going to look at today. Uh, there's a place to take notes if you want to write some things down. We're in a message series. Oh, joy. All right. Message series called Servants and Leaders. Um, These are the men and women who build the church. When I think about... um, what our country needs. We need leaders. Um, Mike put on his Facebook um, just this cry that our country needs leaders in the wake of tragedy. And I think, you know what? The leaders that our country needs, I think are, some of those leaders are going to be found here in this church, um, in the elders and the deacons and the men and women who assist the elders and the deacons in their ministry. There are characteristics that we're going to look at today um, as we look at deacons that Um, are the kind of heart and activity that can scale up, (laughs) right? It starts here in our church, um, and yet as people get more and more authority, um, we could see that the same kind of leaders that our church needs are the kinds of leaders that we need at all levels uh, of government. Um, And so in this series, we've been defining the leadership roles that God has established in the church, Um, And while we're doing this, while we're defining these roles, we're looking to identify the men to nominate as new elders and deacons. And then also we're trying to identify the men and women that we would like to appoint to assist the elders and the deacons in their ministry at our church. So we've spent time describing the role of elder, and today we're going to turn to the role of deacon. Okay? Um, We're going to talk first about deacons, um, or today we're going to talk about deacons and how they're different Um, from elders. I just want to show you this verse here. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, that was a city in the ancient world, says, with the overseers and deacons. And so Paul and Timothy are writing this letter to this church in the city of Philippi with a greeting, and they single out the overseers, those are the elders, and the deacons. And the question is, What are deacons? Um, Acts chapter 6 tells us where the office of deacon most likely originated. It's in Acts chapter 6. It's in your bulletin, but it's also going to be up here on the screen. Let's look at this. It says this in Acts 6 verses 1 to 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. All right, so you have Greek-speaking people and Jewish or Hebrew-speaking people. So the Hellenists are the Greek speakers, and so the Greeks get, are, are upset with the Hebrews. All right, so a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the daily distribution is that the church was passing out food to those who needed it. The widows were the main recipients of that, and the Greek-speaking widows were being overlooked and neglected as the food was being distributed. So they complained. Verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, 
Brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and oh, to the ministry of the word. And when this, when they said the, uh, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so many people believe this is the place where the office of the deacon began. And we see here that there's a separation of the offices between elders and deacons. We can see that here in this passage. The elders' focus is on preaching Jesus and prayer. Okay, we see this in verse 4. They say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And they said in verse 2, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. And I would say, good for the 12. Good for them. Because it's easy for elders to get distracted by good things that will keep them from shepherding and overseeing the church. Okay? God has called elders to focus on the word of God and prayer. Okay? It's not that the widows aren't important. Okay? It's not that they were above serving tables. They just knew what God had called them to do. And that was to preach the good news of what God has done for the whole world through Jesus. Okay, let me give you an illustration of this. Say you're on an airplane, and two hours into your flight, they still haven't come and taken your drink order. And you're thirsty, right? You were counting on that small glass filled with ice and the drink of your choice, right? Um, and so you reach up and you hit the call button. Boom. You know, you wonder how many people are like looking at you. You wonder why everybody else's call button's not up, because you know what? It's been two hours, and you don't have your drink. Well, so then a minute later, the pilot walks up to you and says, I'm so sorry. It's taken us two hours to get here. What can I get you to drink? What would you say? Who's flying the plane? Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Like, kind of appreciate this, kind of, but not really. Like, what the heck is going on here? Who is flying the plane? Friends, brothers, sisters, if the elders are not devoted to God's word and prayer, then there's no one flying the plane in the church. It is absolutely vital that the elders of the church are able to focus on God's word and prayer. That's what enables them to do all that we've seen that they're supposed to do of shepherding and overseeing the church. And so deacons then are the servants and leaders in the church who make sure that needs are met. Okay, so let's just, for the, the separation of labor, what are the focuses of elders and deacons? The elders are to focus on the word of God and prayer. And the deacons are to focus on the needs of the church and its people. 
So what is a deacon? A deacon, the deacons are the chief servants of the church. So what we're looking for as we establish deacons, we're looking for people who are ready and eager to serve and meet the needs of the church and its people. Okay, deacons are characterized by love, by service, by understanding and wisdom. Deacons are the kinds of people who very readily say, hey, I'll help out. Hey, can I fix that? Is there anything I can do to help? Um, Or, hey, I'll help them. Deacons in our church might work with the care team if they need help, or they might work with the prayer team. They might go visit people who need support. Um, Deacons are people who are willing to give their time and their energy and, and their talents to serve the needs in our church. Um, the word group, the word deacon uh, and the verb to, to deacon or to, it means to serve. Um, and the word is used in other places outside the Bible to talk about waiters, like waiters in a restaurant. Um, now, this isn't disgruntled old Flo at the all-night diner who is bitter and angry and wishes she wasn't there and makes you feel like Somehow you don't belong in the restaurant either, right? Have you ever had a waitress like that or a waiter like that? That's not what we're talking about here. But we're talking like deacons. Uh, the heart of a deacon is, is Kevin Redmond, the owner of Hawthorne Coffee in North Park. Do you know Kevin? He came and spoke at the 2020 event that we did a few months ago. And Kevin is, he doesn't just know the different kinds of coffee that he serves. Kevin loves the coffee that he serves. Kevin doesn't just make cups of coffee for people. Kevin is an artist who happens to make caffeinated beverages. Um, Kevin doesn't just want you to have coffee, but he wants you to experience community. His whole shop has a feel to it. And if you talk to Kevin, if you talk to him, what's amazing is that Kevin isn't just a servant, uh, but he's also a leader. Just about everybody that I've interacted with in his coffee shop that work there have this same vibe. Like they don't just know the menu, they love it, and they want you to enter in and experience their love. Um. And it's because they care and they want to give you the joy of an experience along with your coffee. Um, This is what deacons are. These are people who know your needs and they help meet them. Sometimes they can even anticipate what you need before you even say it. And so there are people who are tempted to think that the focus of a deacon is menial or servile. And let's just think about that for a second, right? Let's, let's examine and, and let's see. Let's look at what the deacons do in a church in the book of Acts and let's see how we would describe it, okay? And we'll see if it's menial. We'll see if it's servile. Um, I would say first that the service of deacons is miraculous. So I'm gonna give you four um, points. The first one's gonna be longer than the other three. So first, the service of deacons is miraculous. Um, there are people who think that the office of a deacon is a lesser office, They think, ooh, the elders, that's the important spiritual office. But the deacons, well, they just get stuff done. They just serve. But I want to say that in Acts chapter 6, the first act of service by the deacons, let's think about what it is that they do. 
They have people who are being neglected and they're hungry. And so the deacons take the resources of the church and they're able to multiply those resources to make sure that the widows are cared for. I think their service here is a direct reflection of the miracle of Jesus when he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, the deacons are doing the same thing. They're feeding the hungry people in the church. They organize and they serve the widows and they're cared for. And I think in some ways, this act in Acts 6 is even better than Jesus' miracle. Okay? You might think you can't do miracles like they do in the Bible. Right? You might have been frustrated. Like, why can they do this stuff, but I can't do it? We don't see it happening today, although sometimes we do. But I would say to you, listen, that you actually can do better miracles. And I think Jesus even promised this. When he promised that the Holy Spirit would come, he said, you're going to do even greater things than you've seen me do. And I think this is one of them. What do I mean? Well, look, you probably can't, I don't think. I think I would have heard about it if you could. You can't take a loaf of bread and use that loaf of bread to feed a thousand people. Can't do that. But what deacons do, I think, takes an even greater miracle. It takes even more, greater, and more prolonged power from God. Okay, what do I mean? Well, in a supernatural act, when Jesus fed the 5,000, in this supernatural act, God's power showed up, and in this sort of instant, all these people were fed. But what we see here in Acts chapter 6 is the miracle of people whose lives are so transformed that they are willing to sacrifice their time and their energy to serve others. And so Jesus fed the 5,000 in a sort of single act of power in one time. But in Acts 6, the service of deacons is an ongoing act of power over the course of the life of the church. Which takes more power? Like if you're God, you're done after everybody eats, right? You're done. But if you're the God of the church in Acts 6, this in, I mean, this involves incredible power that's, been re, that's renewing people and to keep them on task and to keep them focused. Um, we could say it this way. It takes more power from God to move people to sacrificially serve each other than it does to sap the world with bread. It's a greater miracle. It's a greater miracle. And I think all of the needs that deacons meet in the church reflect one of the miracles of Jesus or another. Like Jesus, and it doesn't look exactly the same, like Jesus healing the sick in a supernatural act of instantaneous power shows up in the church as the deacons go and lead the church in visiting the sick and caring for them. Because again, I would say it takes more power to motivate a group of people to go and care for people whose sickness isn't necessarily going to go away. And so what the deacons do is miraculous. Um, secondly, the service of deacons is leadership. In Acts 6, we see this because the seven men who were appointed if you read the rest of what they do in the book of Acts, they do leadership stuff. 
Um, they actually don't, we don't see them actually serving the food themselves. We see them actually doing strong leadership things. Um, and so these folks, they were the chief servants, but they also helped to lead the church to organize the people so that the needs get met. So the deacons lead by example, but they also provide leadership for the church to equip us as a whole and to organize us as a whole so that we all would care for each other. And so having deacons in our church doesn't mean that we can say, oh, great, I'm off the hook. The deacons will take care of that. That's not how it works. Um, The deacons will lead us and help us all to get involved in caring for the needs of the church. And what's exciting then is that now it gives you a chance to be a miracle. Like you get to be the demonstration of the supernatural power of God at work in your life that so changes you that you're willing to invest some of your time, some of your energy into caring for someone else's needs. That's exciting. All right, third, the service of deacons is also spiritual. It's spiritual. Um, how do we know this? Well, first of all, I want you to see the, the qualifications of a deacon in First Timothy 3. It's in your bulletin if you want to look there. I'll put it up here on the screen. Oh, man, I'm going to have to come back to that. There we go. Okay. Deacons, this is First Timothy 3, 8 to 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so some of these qualities reflect the real spiritual maturity that's required in deacons. Right? They, need to be, they need to have integrity. Right? They need to be people that we can trust. Because if they're going to be entering into the pain and the, and the needs of our church, they're going to be learning things. They're going to be hearing information that may be confidential. So who can we trust with that kind of stuff? Who can we trust with knowledge of what we're dealing with and what we're struggling with and what our needs are? We need people like this with these sorts of character qualities. Um, and some of these qualifications are very outwardly spiritual. If you look at verse 9, it says, They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. So they need to understand theology. They need to understand the Bible. They need to understand um, who God is and what God is like so that in the midst of their service, they can bring to bear the truth and the presence of God. Um, And so deacons are spiritual in nature. And so let me just share with you, let's see here. Um, So the physical becomes spiritual, right? If the deacons are focusing on the spiritual needs of the church, those needs are also physical because the physical is spiritual when you have a God who cares about body and soul. Okay, and so the care that the deacons have for people who are sick or people who are down and out or people who are lonely or people who are financially in trouble or people who need counseling, like the care of the deacons is both physical and and spiritual when you serve a God who cares about body and soul. 
And then also the physical is spiritual when you have a God who is joining heaven and earth. Right? This is what God is doing through Jesus and the church. He is joining heaven and earth. He's bringing heaven into this earth. And he's building the church into this place where people can get a foretaste of the way that life would be if God were fully in charge. And the deacons, in wonderful ways, bring that about in their service. And it's eminently spiritual. And then the last thing is that the service of deacons is, it's sometimes thankless. It's sometimes thankless. To be a deacon sometimes feels like a thankless job. Um, You will be tempted to feel like you're always giving. And sometimes what you do is overlooked or not appreciated. Uh, This is like this office is a call to service. It's a call in some ways to be willing to suffer, uh, to be willing to do things and not be thanked. And so in the midst of that reality, let me offer you some encouragement. Okay, if you're thinking about nominating someone to be a deacon, you're like, dang, like, I don't know if I'd want to put them into that, right? Let me encourage you. Um, If you are possibly feeling like God may be calling you to be a deacon or to serve the church and assist the deacons, Um, in their work. Let me just say, uh, let me encourage you. Um, I would say first, normally, the people in our church aren't thankless. That we actually have a church um, that sees God working through the people in our church, and most often they are incredibly appreciative. And so in this role, you will be appreciated normally. It's just, I mean, I know there may be some churches that are relatively thankless. Our church isn't one of them. And so I encourage you with that. But there will be times, right? (laughs) As there are always times in life. Um, And this might encourage some of you who feel thankless in your daily life today. Maybe at home, maybe with the family, maybe at work. Um, With deacons, we need people who have the maturity so that they're not serving as deacons for their own glory. Okay? Um, We need people who are so clear in themselves that they themselves have been loved and served by Jesus, that their deepest motivation, their deepest motivation to do this job is to serve Jesus even more than it is to serve the people. Okay? Let me tell you why this is important. Well, it's because Jesus sees everything that we do. Jesus sees every time we serve. When we are not thanked, when we are not appreciated, and even worse, not just neglect, but when we get a, raw, like a negative response, when you're trying to help somebody and they start dumping on you, and then they start accusing you of not being caring, and they take your advice and feel like you're judging them and start saying bad things about you, Right? When that happens, we serve a God who sees everything. And so if you engage in this role, you need to have a mature faith. You need to be doing it for the glory of Jesus and because you're serving him, because he will always appreciate what you do, even when people don't. And so if you're serving to do this for people and you don't get that response, you're going to be frustrated and angry. 
But if you're doing it for Jesus, you can have confidence that he always sees, he always loves, and he always rejoices in your service. And what's exciting about Jesus in this vein is that we serve a God who knows exactly what it's like. Right? Think about this, right? We serve a God who knows what it's like to, get, to be frustrated or to be ignored. Um, I feel like Jesus has looked me in the eye before with tears welling up in his eyes. And he's told me, I know what it's like to serve others and have them not care. I know what it's like to give yourself for the sake of others and to feel completely abused and walked over. I mean, this is our Savior. And Jesus would say, look, I get it. And I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel bad. Because there's a part of you that's going to hear me say this and think, oh man, I feel dumb because Jesus, after everything that you went through, how could I complain about what I'm going through? And Jesus says, no, 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 you've missed the point. I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel guilty. I'm telling you this because I want you to feel loved and understood. I know exactly how you feel because I've been there. You're not alone and I'm with you. I am underneath this burden with you and I'm helping. I'm here. Man, that's our Savior. Jesus would say to us, look, this is part of the cross that you have to bear. I'm asking you to bear a cross for me, and this is part of it. Sometimes thanklessness, sometimes not being appreciated, sometimes being misinterpreted or misunderstood is the cross that I'm asking you to bear And when you bear this cross and don't give up, when you continue to love and continue to understand and continue to serve and continue to care for people, in this way, you get to display me in a way that nothing but suffering does. There are aspects of Jesus' character that are invisible on earth if we aren't suffering. Jesus says, when you do this, you are giving me such great glory. I am so honored when you suffer and you continue to give. I'm so honored. I'm proud of you. And I want you to know that not only are you not alone because I'm with you, but I'm going to give you a group of people. I'm going to give you a community of people that you can go to. These are the deacons of the church. You're not going to be alone. We're going to have ordained men as deacons. We're going to have men and women assisting you. They'll lift you up. They will understand you. They'll encourage you. And they'll remind you of the amazing way that you have been displaying me. Man, that'll give us strength. And then Jesus will say, by the way, there are going to be things about me that you will know. You're going to know me better because you will have walked in more of my footsteps. And so that's part of the glory of serving is as a deacon, is that you will understand Jesus. You will experience more of his life than people who just choose to not engage 
in serving and caring for others. And so the service of deacons, it's miraculous, it's leadership, it's spiritual, and it's sometimes thankless. And so we need, to, we, need a nom- we need deacons. We don't have any right now. Our church is growing, and we have needs in our church that we need, we need men to serve, and we need men to lead us. We need men and women to assist them in the service. And so we have these nomination forms, okay? They're in the back on the barrel. They're out in the cafe space. Um, we want you um, to nominate people. Now, to do that, again, you have to be a member um, there's a, a brief description here on this sheet, this half sheet, of what elders are, what deacons are, and what it means to appoint assistants that are men and women to these roles. But um, we want you to nominate people. Um, the nominations so are open, again, this week. They're going to be open next week. And then the following Sunday, they'll be closed. Okay? And to nominate somebody, you need to talk to them first. You need to go to them and say, listen, I would like to nominate you to be an elder, or I want to nominate you to be a deacon, or I would like to nominate you to assist the elders, or I'd like to nominate you to assist the deacons. Um, you need to go to them and ask them, like, is it okay? Are you willing to serve in this way? And if they kind of hem and haw, say, look, can I just nominate you and you can talk to the leaders and they'll work out your lack of certainty? I mean, you don't have to convince them, but, uh, but you need to talk to them first. Um, and so, um, so please take advantage of this um, and nominate people because our church needs it. We need people who will be miracles and help equip us to become miracles in the church. I want to give you just a final illustration of what deacons are. So I learned about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, The Coast Guard has this ship, okay? They have this ship. They've had it for, I don't know, I think about 15 years. This is a boat that can flip upside down in the middle of the ocean, and it can right itself. Um, this ship is designed to travel and sail into the worst possible storms with the highest waves, with the expectation that the boat will capsize. It's going to turn over, and with the knowledge that it will turn back. Um, so this ship travels into the heart of the worst storms, and it latches onto ships that are in trouble. Okay, it latches onto them. It goes underwater with the ship if necessary to help it right itself, to help it bail itself out, to get it through the storm. And the people that are on that ship are literally tethered to the ship. They're standing on it, but they are strapped in because they have been trained that, man, if this goes over, we need to hold our breath and we're going to make it. And so I want to show you a 10-second video of this ship in action. Okay? Watch this. It's kind of amazing, right? I know you're like, wait, wait I didn't see that. Here, I'll show it to you again.
The hardest part about finding footage on this stuff is that there's no cameras out there when they're in the deepest ocean and the highest waves, right? I mean, there's like training exercises they show you videos of. But I mean, it's like, so the Coast Guard has sailors that are trained to tether themselves to this boat, right? I mean, when the waves are six feet high at Coronado, we're like, I don't really know if I want to go out there, you know? I mean, these, these guys go into the heart of someone's distress, tethered to this boat, expecting they're going to be flipped over, and with the confidence when they're capsized to say, hold on, we're about, just a moment, we're going to flip back and we're going to be right. They're on this mission of rescue. Friends, that's what deacons are. This is what deacons are. In your great distress, when your marriage falls apart, when there's no hope in your parenting, if you've got a terminal condition, an illness or a disease, when finances are driving you crazy, the deacons come into the heart of your distress and they are tethered to Jesus. They are tethered to Jesus to bring his presence of compassion, care, and hope. Practically, they will connect you to Jesus and to the resources of our church, to our community, to support for finances, for training, for counseling. They enter into the hardest moments of our lives. And if rescue isn't possible, they're simply, they'll simply stay with you under the water until Jesus brings you both out. These are deacons. This is what we're looking for. We need men who can be these deacons. We need men and women who can help them and to be a part of leading our church so that in some ways we all can reflect Jesus' love and care and concern. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this image. Thank you for traveling into the worst storm, the storm of our sin and the judgment of God itself for us. Oh, Jesus, I pray that we would be reminded that you were the first deacon, the first servant who served to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Fill us with such great joy. And I pray that from our church family, you would raise up men to serve as deacons. He'd raise up men and women to assist the deacons so that those of us who feel the pull of your leading, that feel the tug, that want to help in these ways, that want to serve in these ways, that they would, that we'd tap them and nominate them and train them to be this miraculous spiritual leadership in our church. And we pray this in your name. Amen. We have now a time where we're going to receive an offering. Um, In just a second, the ushers are going to come forward with baskets. So if you're going to give now, prepare your giving. Um, You can give online as well. Um, And I know that that a lot of you give during the week, which is great. Um, But I want you to take this time and just reflect. Reflect on how Jesus has served you well in the storms of your life. And ask him to show you who are the people in our church that serve in ways that remind you of this. Write down some names and pray and ask the Lord, you know, should you nominate? um, Should you nominate some of these folks for elder or deacon?
And then if you have a connection card, remember to fill that out and drop that in the basket as it comes by. As our gifts come forward, let's offer our own hearts along with our gifts and thank God and praise Him together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Father, take these gifts and multiply them so that our church can continue to meet our needs, to meet the needs of our people, and then to spill out and meet the needs of the city. Use these gifts to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I would like to invite you to come to the Lord's table. Um, During this time of communion, we're also going to have folks from our prayer team. They're going to be standing on either side of the worship space. If you need prayer, seek them out. They'd love to pray for you in any way that you need. Um, This is the place where Jesus is incredible service to us becomes physical, touchable, tasteable. Um, this is a sacrament, which is it's designed to be a guarantee. It's designed to be assurance that as real as this bread is, as real as the wine and the juice are, that's how real you have been served by Jesus. 
That's how real um, the boundless nature of his love is. He loves you so much that he gave everything. He will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever need you have, whatever way that you've been hurt, Jesus, through this bread, wine, and juice, wants to say to you, you're not alone. I am with you. And so if you're trusting Jesus, come. Come and experience that assurance here at the Lord's table. If you're not a Christian, then I pray that you become one. Give your life to Jesus and then come and receive this assurance. If you're not ready to do that, then I would encourage you not to come because coming is saying you believe. And if you don't believe yet, then that would turn this into kind of an empty ritual. And so just, you can stay back and just pray and ask God to show himself to you. And so let's pray together and ask God to meet us here. Heavenly Father, take this bread, this wine and juice, and help us to receive the assuring love and service of Jesus. Strengthen us by what he's done so that we would know that he has died for our sins and he has risen to renew us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this and remember me. And then he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. My blood will be shed for you so that your sins would be forgiven. Drink this and remember me. Brothers and sisters, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we commune with Jesus. He gives us the assurance that his sacrifice was for us and that he is with us. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Colin, this is Christ's body broken for you. Kelsey is the body of Christ broken for you. Nathan, this is Christ's body broken for you. Fred, this is Christ's body broken to give you assurance. Jelani, this is the body of Christ broken to meet you in the storm. Ryan, the body of Christ was broken so Jesus would be with you in the hard times. Marion is the body of Christ broken to meet you in the storm. Luigi is Christ's body was broken to meet you in the storms of life. Kathy, this is Christ's body was broken to meet you in the storms of life. Robin, Christ's body was broken to meet you in the pain and suffering. Isaac, this is the body of Christ broken to meet you in the storms of life. Leslie, the body of Christ was broken for you. Mackenzie, the Christ's body was broken to meet you in the pain of life. Jess, the Christ's body was broken for you. Jerry, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Josh, this is Christ's body broken to equip you to meet others in the storms of life. This is Christ's body. It was broken to give you his grace. Mary Beth, this is Christ's body. It was broken to meet you in your pain. Chelsea, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. 
Sarah, this is Christ's body. This is gluten-free, yeah. The body of Christ is broken for you. Lindsay, this is Christ's body broken for you. This is the body of Christ broken to meet you in the pain and storms of life. Gabe, this is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. Paula, this is Christ's body broken to meet you in the storms of life. Annette, this is Christ's body broken for you. Kim, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Rebecca, Christ's body was broken for you. Richard, this is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. Amen. Thank you. Jan, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Phil, Christ's body was broken to meet you in the storms of life. Jim, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Shing, shing, Christ's body was broken for you. Hey, this is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. Jessica, this is the body of Christ. It was broken to meet you in the storms of life. Maria, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Larry, this is Christ's body, broken to meet you in the times of pain and suffering. Kurt, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Barbara, this is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. Gwen, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. This is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. This is Christ's body. It was broken to meet you in your pain. You, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Corinne, this is Christ's body. Broken for you. May you grow to know that Jesus is with you in all the storms of life. Chaz, this is Christ's body. It was broken to equip you to serve others in their pain. This is the body of Christ. It was broken to meet you in the storms of life. This is Christ's body. It was broken to meet you in the midst of your pain. Kevin, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. This is the body of Christ. It was broken for you. This is Christ's body broken to meet you in your pain. And may you grow to know the presence of Jesus in the midst of all the storms of your life. Rebecca, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. Dan, this is Christ's body. It was broken for you. John, it's the body of Christ. It was broken so that you'd know he is meeting you in the pain and brokenness of all of life. You're welcome. Tom, Christ's body was broken to meet you in the midst of the storms of life. got the body. Hallelujah. Man. This is life transforming power. The resurrection of Jesus fills you with his like resurrection power to make you new inside. 
his blood was shed so that you would know that he is with you in the midst of all your pain. He is Lord, Lord of all. To hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Dressed in a high and stormy veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. sound oh may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne 